Welcome to Service Headline News. I am Marty Smith. I'm here. <laughs> I'm Jake Wall. And we're here to bring you the latest headlines and updates pertinent to all servicemen and women. So sit back, get informed, and maybe have a laugh as the Swearing in Podcast presents Service Headline News. Yeah, after the introductions. <laughs> after the introductions, have a laugh. Well, we can have a laugh now. Anyway, right? Uh, that's the only formal piece I have. We're here to have more fun than than uh, these headlines. I yeah, that's, exactly. that's for sure. How you doing, fellas? Uh, good to go. Good to go. Yeah, doing good, man. Just got back. Welcome from back, Dubai. Jake. Thank you. Yeah, California was lovely. Mm. Where where are you at, Vandenberg? Yeah, Vandenberg. Just out there for work. Vandyland. So. It's night, man. <laughs> Star Wars Cantina is now like <laughs> called Old Mally's or something. And oh, I it is. Yeah. <laughs> to go out to wine country. Yeah, we we actually did some wine tasting uh, one of the days. Nice. So, nice. Yeah, I mean, that's so. It's so awesome, and it's not so stuck up, but it's so expensive. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. But it is worth it. I mean, that mid-California stuff is great. Oh, yeah. I'm a big fan. Eric, what happened in this date in history? Ah, thank you for that intro. You know, everybody knows that on December 7th, uh, 1941, what happened out in Pacific. But there was a significant event that occurred in the Atlantic side that I don't think anybody, not too many people have heard of, which was really interesting to me. Um on December 7, 1941, there was a decree um, what? submitted by a decree okay. uh, submitted from Adolf Hitler, and it was called the Night and Fog Decree. And it was a secret order that was issued by Hitler under which persons endangering German security in the German-occupied territories of Western Europe were to be arrested and either shot or spirited away under the cover of night and fog, which just means it was clandestine, to either concentration camps or gallows or shot where they stood. This this order was also known as the Keitel Order, the decree which was signed by William Keitel, chief of staff of the German army, the Vermont, and was issued in response to the increased activity of the resistance in France. The German Minister of Justice established special courts to deal with these cases. Some 7,000 persons are known to have been sent to concentration camps as a result of this specific decree on December 7, 1941, Night and Fog Decree. Under the cover of darkness, guys, you can get Jeez. killed. Yeah. That was on December 7th? That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, Hitler signed all kinds of shit into, <laughs> into law, I guess. But it's interesting. Yeah, that it seems like at that point, like he didn't really need to have make a law of it. He just was like, "Hey, I want this done," and they'd be like, "Okay, yeah." I mean, uh, uh, and I guess law is the wrong verbiage. A decree sounds like just something that says, "Hey, fellas, go find people that are you know in the resistance or um, not submitting to our order, and let's take right. care of them." Stalin did the same thing. It's a common tactic. Yeah, <laughs> and it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder if there were. Like lower guys below Hitler, it would just be like, "Hey, 
uh, Adolf wants this done. And I'm like, really? Did he tell you that? He's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, go do this. <laughs> Heck yeah, He's just yeah. making stuff up. And they're like, oh, yeah, go do this. Yeah. Uh, God knows. I mean, that, Jesus, you talk about the ultimate autocratic society, right? Yeah. These guys At least really Pinochet, uh, Pinochet took you on an aircraft or a helicopter ride, you know, <laughs> before he made you disappear. Well, Pinochet didn't have the numbers. Right, <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't Mao or Stalin or Hitler, but yeah. he was Clark. Yeah. He was crafty. These guys were really cool with their creativeness on the names, the night and fog decree. Right, I mean everything. Had yeah, that were the Aryan people were you know all tied to Viking law and Valhalla and man, they just came up with all kinds of cool stuff. Led yeah. by a guy who was none of that. Awesome, <laughs> right? Yeah. The biggest snow job ever. Right? <laughs> All of them, except for Hitler, had sweet mustaches, though. Yeah. It's a common thread. But, you know, I mean, uh, you talk about uh, uh, a trademark mustache. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, guaranteed. That, you can't bring that mustache back. You I can't. Mean, not not, not at all. Soon. You know. Maybe after. Charlie, Ch- Charlie Chaplin was like, hey, that was mine. Come on, man. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Yeah, he ruined it for my character so well. But I tell you, there's no better enemy in the movies than the Nazis. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the communists kind of took that over a little bit, but still, you know, Indiana Jones against the Nazis, perfect. Yep. Nazis were the bad guys, ultimate bad guys, man. And a salute to the over. Over 2,000 uh, servicemen had died at Pearl Harbor today, right? Yeah, of course. I, I don't remember the exact number. 2280, I think, somewhere around there. I actually thought it was, that was a hell of a transition. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure that we mention that, you know, that we're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> don't want to go off on Hitler's mustache too far. <laughs> All right, good call. <laughs> Thanks, Eric. Yes, good history. Sir. That's, that's I never knew that. So that, that's that's a good one. Thanks. Uh, okay, I got a story. It was from uh, the end of November, out of Stars and Stripes. But the army is testing blood delivery drones, applying lessons from war in Afghanistan. So and I was like, that's that's smart. At least it's uh, we're not talking about drones killing anything. Now they're helping out, which is brilliant. Uh, Army drones are dropping packages of simulated blood over the Mojave Desert in an effort to find better ways to rush medical supplies to wounded troops as quickly as possible. In recent months, soldiers at Fort Irwin, California, NTC, National Training Center, have practiced gathering the drone cargo after the supplies drift to the ground and attached to small orange and white parachutes. Lessons from two decades of war in Iraq and Afghanistan and scenes from Ukraine and fears of future conflicts with countries such as China are driving the efforts. The need is pretty clear, making sure that whole blood is accessible to forward medics, said Nathan Fisher, chief of medical robots and autonomous systems at the Telemedicine and Advanced Technology Research Center at Fort Detrick, Maryland. That, how do you, I mean, my God, to get a title like that. Yeah, but that's... Chief Damn cool. of medical robots and autonomous systems. That is very <laughs> impressive. That's awesome. You think he uh, gave his own name? He developed his own name? We're going to be called this. 
<laughs> he might have. Yeah. Don't forget, I work on robots too. <laughs> that better be in my new title. <laughs> Fine, uh, we'll add robots. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as he has two of them standing behind himself at his desk, and they're like, "Oh, yeah." Can those things carry guns? Oh yeah, Knives mostly too. blood right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's now, easily adaptable. <laughs> oh, the application um, is amazing. I think it's pretty amazing. That's cool. Fisher's yeah. medical supply drone, known as Project Crimson, huh. was what flew <laughs> overhead and dropped off the fake blood at Fort Irwin during a training scenario for a mass casualty situation. The F. VR Fox Victor Romeo 90 drone used by the army can take off and land vertically and carry up to 22 pounds of temperature controlled whole blood to troops up to 250 miles away. So there must be some kind of cooling container that they carry as well. Or maybe they just one of those. Maybe they're just picking up the whole igloo container and just go. Those things that carry the organs organs in. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Those special boxes. Yeah. Maybe that's what it said. Um, 22 pounds, that's uh, it's not very much, but it's 250 miles away. So, yeah. Uh, this drone supports medical field care when casualty evacuation isn't an option. Fisher, or I'm sorry, Fisher said in the, st- in the statement, it can keep whole blood and other crucial items refrigerated in the autonomous portable refrigeration unit and take it to medic- medics in the field with wounded warriors. One of the bitterest lessons learned from 20 years of American wars is the necessity of preventing blood loss on the battlefield quickly, said Air Force Colonel Stacy Shackelford, a doctor-in-chief of the San Antonio-based Joint Trauma System. Medical officials this summer developed seven recommendations for improving the Defense Department's blood supply program. One recommendation was research into blood delivery by drone. Colonel Shackelford said the U.S. had complete air superiority in Iraq and Afghanistan, and troops relied on the ability to quickly and safely fly the wounded to field hospitals for emergency care. But that might not be possible in future wars with countries that have anti-air missiles and fighter jets. Hmm. I think it's going to come down to drone delivery of blood by some type of unmanned vehicle that can fly in and drop off more blood. or more bullets whatever is needed and i thought that was the coolest i mean the blood drop is pretty cool you know the logistics aside uh i guess you have those drones on standby ready to go but if they can't i mean how how many movies and everything else are like oh we we need to resupply these guys out in the field with some ammo food or whatever and you can do that with drones yeah now that now we're talking well, you know what? Let's let's go back to how much it carries. You said twenty two pounds. Yeah, these pounds drones capacity. only carry twenty two pounds. So a human—that's not much. That's not much in the way of ammo, right? A human body has one point two, one point five gallons of blood in their body. So what's a gallon weigh? Um, you see where I'm getting? If if a body was well, if he weighed a gallon of what? A gallon of water, a, blood, a gallon of blood. A gallon of blood. So equate that of one body, a human body has 1.2 to 1.5 gallons of blood in them. So if you need 
I mean, if you, I'm not talking about bleeding out completely, so you wouldn't need a full gallon. But yeah. if 22 pounds equates to, I don't know, four gallons. You're well, talking- eight, water is like eight and a half pounds per gallon. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Well, I guess, it, I guess, so let's, let's be clear. This says it can carry up to 22 pounds of blood. So they're mm-hmm. not including, obviously, the container with that. Yeah, the refrigerating so, unit. Right, right. So they're saying, okay, that's already factored in. Okay. So you, the the you're netting twenty two pounds of blood, but you're right. How much is a pound of blood? Yeah, because yeah. if if you know we're talking about a gallon of blood for a person's body, if you've got two people, both of them wounded, and, and they're bleeding out, I mean, shit, that's got to be easily a gallon split between. Yeah. I would think. I'm I'm far from being a medic. It's pretty uh it's a pretty cool idea. I, I mean it would it's instant PTSD if that delivery system goes wrong because it's literally raining blood. <laughs> so, but the potential is there. What a morale destroyer. <laughs> well, I yeah, did find exactly. it interesting that they, they said uh you know they're they're like dropping it. So, yeah. um, I don't know. I, I don't know how big this FVR 90 drone is. Uh, and I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's forward, you know, if it's vertical lift and takeoff or if it's just like a plane that goes, uh, but they did say that they're dropping it on parachutes. So, hmm. um, but how much bigger would a drone have to be to resupply ammo? Now you're talking about significant weights, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, that'd have to be like Global Hawk size, right? Yeah. Something that can carry a wide. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you go into, a, you know, a hot zone and you can send five drones with ammo. I don't know. I don't know. that, But the possibility seems real interesting to do that. Yeah. The application is it's about time someone starts talking about. Instead of destroying you with some kind of droid, how is it going to help? Yeah, help yeah, but I, I'm sure there's two factions, right? There's the ones working on the destroyer droids and the ones working on the yeah. supply droids, yeah. and, and they're not talking to each other. They don't go to lunch with each other. Like, <laughs> our contract's right here, baby. So I don't know. Interesting. But I thought that was pretty cool. I thought that was a pretty creative uh, idea coming out of the Army. So I think if they'd had that in Vietnam, Wow, would we have been able to save a lot more in the field? Instead of trying to send a Blackhawk to evac them out of the field, you send blood, you know, save their life right there on the ground. I think it'd been great. Well, yeah. I mean, that, you know, the good thing is, uh, like she said, Colonel Shackelford said earlier, that, you know, basically we had air superiority, but there's still all the ground fire coming. Yeah. yeah. So. So I don't know. Uh, anything would help, I, I suppose. It's it's worth a try, and I like to see them do being creative. You know, the military is a big, um, it's a big bureaucratic machine. So to be creative is is tough to do. Yeah. Speaking of creativity and more tech, Eric, <laughs> right? what is the army doing? Right. Well, you know, through past podcasts, we continue to find. And look and and see the research being done on all these new technology coming out. And the Army is no different. 
the army has found a replacement for the Black Hawk, the Black Hawk helicopter. That Black Hawk, Black Hawk helicopter came into service in 1979, so it's it's reaching its uh, high year of tenure. <laughs> so the army has put out a contract, and an organization has won it, and hence the development of the Bell Victor 280 Valor. Tilt rotor aircraft. This was announced Monday as the eventual replacement for the Army's Black Hawk helicopter. And this thing looks like just a small version of the Marine Corps. Uh, what is there? Osprey. Osprey. Yeah, this thing looks just like a smaller version of the Osprey. Um, well, guess who? Yeah, that you know, the Osprey is co-partnered uh, on its development. Guess who one of the partners is? Uh, Bell. Oh, is that right? Go figure. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, they, a lot of dudes died in the testing of that thing. Oscar. Oh, I remember they that. They could not figure that out for a long no, time. No, they couldn't get it to work. And all you heard was accident after accident after accident. Yeah. That thing was crazy, but I'm glad they got it. I mean, that's the, it's a hell of an aircraft now. Oh, it sounds cool, too. Yeah. Coming over. Yeah. Well, I think, the, I think this Valor is going to be the same way. So the V280 Valor is the winner of the Army's year-long future future long-range assault aircraft, Foxtrot Lima Romeo Alpha Alpha. It's meant to ultimately replace the service's Black Hawk helicopter in transporting troops and supplies across the battlefield. The V-280 tilt rotor aircraft ultimately beat out Sikorsky's Boeing's SB-1 Defiant compound coaxial helicopter when the award was announced Monday. So this thing has the same capabilities as the Osprey, you know, vertical departures or aircraft runway. Uh, the initial contract for it was 232 million and is to continue development of the aircraft, but then expands to 1.2 billion. And then perhaps as much as 7 billion to begin building a new fleet of Valor aircraft that will begin replacing Blackhawk in the mid 2030s. Can you see that uh, what I have up on the screen? Yeah, it looks like that's a the, some sort of submarine or something. That's the that's the one that was in competition. So that's the Defiant X by Boeing, Sikorsky, Lockheed Martin. Ooh, so yeah. I guess those the the it's got one rotor stacked on top of the other. Is it some they, sort of they, stealth? They counter rotate, which yeah. supposedly gives it more stability but just looking at now if i click over here can you see the yeah. v280 now yeah so if you look at the picture of the v280 and it's got those two rotors and it's got nothing in the tail yeah right? that's weird it's just got stabilizers in the tail like a plane so there's no propulsion you, in the rear at all huh no it's all but, based on those two engines now if you go to the the yeah. sikorsky one not only do they have one main rotor on top of the other main rotor, but they got a rotor in the back too. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's a lot of oh, yeah. that, every time every movie I see that a helicopter gets shot down, it gets hit in the back. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it is cooler because if you hit the main rotor, then it just falls. That, well, at, yeah, least, at least the tail rotor, you spin a little bit before you fall. So, Jake, you old maintainer, looking <laughs> yeah. at these two aircraft, 
which seems to which seems to be the more pain in the ass things that you got to do to it. Oh, that one right there. That yeah, defiant. That's but the defiant looks kind of like it's trying to be stealth. Sort you know, of, yeah, you look at the shaping on the body and you look at the shaping on the on the yeah. tail fins and things like that. And the other one just looks like the bell looks like it's just trying to be fast and nimble. Well, the requirements for this thing that the Army wanted was an aircraft with a top speed of 250 knots or more than 285 miles per hour, along with an unrefueled combat radius of 200 to 300 nautical miles and a maximum range of 1,725 to 2,440 nautical miles. So the requirements were pretty heavy. Uh, They also wanted it to carry 23% more troops and have 25% more cargo than the Blackhawk. What's the Blackhawk carry? Like 10, 12 troops max, I think? And that's only if it's fitted for seating, right? I mean, it, right. It's, What's twenty three percent more of ten? Two bodies. <laughs> two point three bodies. Yeah. <laughs> One big guy and two little guys. The diff- the the biggest difference between the Black Hawk and the Valor is, of course, the tilt rotors. While it looks similar to the V twenty two Osprey, the Valor works somewhat diff- somewhat differently. The engines remain in place and streamline containers on the wing. It's the rotors themselves that tilt yeah. up and down. Now, the Osprey rotates the whole the, engine. The whole engine and everything rotates out, out on the end of the wing. Oh, that's- I wonder what's more of a maintenance nightmare, to have that whole engine tilt up or half of the, or I mean, just the rotors break away and tilt up. I don't know. Either, either way, the, the torque on that thing... Right. Oh yeah. I mean, you have to have a rotating, flexible position that and that that then locks. That's hmm. literally holding and twisting the whole time. It's holding an aircraft up in the air. You know, like the the torque and the the friction on that area has got to be ridiculous. Not and maybe it maybe it's some of the old uh, army stuff in me, or maybe I'm just old. But like, for example, if I see a new car, right, and they're like, oh, it's got power this and power that, and this thing changes colors when it gets to night, and, you know, all this other little stuff. And I'm like, how long before that breaks? Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then you don't go fix it maintain. because it's too expensive. And you're like, oh, yeah, my windows used to go up and down, but that was $1,500 to fix them, and I didn't fix them. So. <laughs> I have that goofy, I guess that's an old man attitude, but I look at these and I'm like, and I, and I hearken back to like the A-10. A-10 are running because it's a fairly simple machine. Right? Yeah. But you look at all this complication and as long as, uh, say, the Blackhawk was, or even the Huey, there's still Hueys in service, yeah. right? Yeah, I'm because it's a simpler design. I, I, I could do. Will these have that longevity? I don't know. If this thing is grounded, it ain't coming right back the next day. <laughs> no, there's a lot on that thing that yeah. has to be fixed. So I found the yeah. number of passengers. It's a crew of four, and it can hold up to fourteen passengers. Now, what's twenty three percent more? 
Go back to your yeah. ASVAB days. What's 23% yeah. of 18? Of, oh, well, no, it's not 18 because it's it would just, Well, they had a crew, right? Yeah, but the, yeah, are they kept the crew against the, the bodies? Okay, let's say the crew is the same. What what's twenty three percent more of fourteen? <laughs> Bring up the <laughs> you know that that's a bullet writer right there. It's like instead of just don't just say three more guys. Yeah, say twenty three percent more crew. <laughs> like oh great. So this thing is going to be pretty cool. Uh, what's the what's the stats? I, I know that the article had that stats in it. How fast does it go? Yeah. Uh, that's where I was telling you about the requirements were 285 miles an hour, uh, top speed of 250 knots or more than 285 miles per hour, along with an unrefueled combat radius of 200 to 300 nautical miles. And then, of course, the whole maximum range of 1,725 to 2,440 nautical miles. But there was a bit in there. What does the Black Hawk do? Because it's like 100 miles faster. 100 miles an hour faster than the Blackhawk or 100 knots? Well, faster. Bell has claimed that the aircraft is capable of top speeds of up to 280 knots with a range of 800 nautical miles, which doubles the top speed and the operational range of the Blackhawk. Yeah, Black, Blackhawk's 139 knots. Yeah, so it 320 doubled. maybe. I don't know. It's also That's interesting... Cool. It can take on a number of missions. It's specifically for the Army air assault and utility missions in contested environments and to be maintainable in the field. So it, it's got all kinds of capability. Uh, they prove that it is not going to be a risky configuration for the Air Army to adopt because there is no component to the V-280 that you can't pull with organic ground support equipment in an austere environment today. So right there, they're saying the maintenance of this thing is pretty easy. On the ground. Well, I'm sure they designed it with that. I hope they designed it with that. You so. hope that. That'd be cool. All right. So new helicopters coming. Okay, moving on. The beast is gone as Air Force revamps basic training and shortens combat scenarios. This is back in November from Stars and Stripes. Uh, after 16 years, basic expeditionary airman skills training, B-E-A-S-T, the beast, will be retired as the service changes the way it prepares recruits for combat, the once week-long field training has been shortened to 36 hours, Air Force <laughs> officials said in a statement last week. Now, Eric, you never had any you never had any culmination exercise at the end of your basic, right? Not, no. And you went to basic in 81. 81. Okay. And Jake, did you have a culmination? Uh, exercise yeah, we did, when you but went it, to... it was that warrior week kind of but thing. But you stayed out for a week, right? Yeah. Now you stayed in the field for the week, or did you? Oh no, 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 no. Okay. No. My oh, jeez. We. I think we stayed out overnight, maybe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then there was like some of the TIs would kind of try to ingress on the area, and you'd have to have patrols walking around and mm. it, and you slept on a cot in a tent uh, it, okay yeah marty like the hardest thing is the verbal abuse 
and folding clothes. That's the only difficult thing yeah. about Air Force basic training. <laughs> you didn't have to you didn't have to shine floors, did you? Uh, it probably wouldn't let us use one of those polishers because it's dangerous. <laughs> you weren't certified. <laughs> yeah, we'd have to be harnessed to a buddy that would back away if, in case the polisher got loose. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> because the guy who was trying to write it fell off. Yeah, and well, it that's exactly. It, yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. a great visual of that, man. Oh yeah. my. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, we did do dorm cleanup. We did do that kind of stuff, facility cleanup. We didn't have a lot of. You didn't have a, sk- a skills, but the, that whole last week, was it like a skills evaluation kind of thing? Yeah, it was. It's like you had to take your final PT test. You had to run the obstacle course. You had to go qualify on shooting. Um, they put you in chemical gear? No, no. I never had to go through the gas uh, chamber. And that's okay, because that makes sense, because how many Air Force bases are going to get gassed, right? So I'm I'm in favor of that. I'm in favor of that. You went through his cops, though. Yeah, you guys did. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, but you could be be familiar with the tools of oppression before you could deploy them. (laughs) (laughs) Intimate. I know how to gas you, man. Yeah. Tase you, all these but things. Marty, you know, when we went through, it wasn't through uh basic training, it was when we were at our tech schools. Oh, yeah, okay. So, well, uh, as before, the revised field training will happen during the eight weeks of basic training at Joint Base San Antonio Lackland in Texas. Although the training itself has been reduced, the Air Force's new name for it is decidedly longer. Now, remember, we talked about acronyms, listen to this one. The, the acronym is PACER FORGE, all right? If you want to write that down on a piece of paper so you can follow along, PACER FORGE. Here's what it stands for. Now, And you tell me if they came up with the acronym first and then fit words to it, or if they came up with the title and they're like, hey, look at that perfect, perfect acronym. So PACER FORGE, Primary Agile Combat Employment Range. Forward Operations Readiness Generation Exercise. Now, you tell me, did they come up with the acronym first and then fit words to that? Wow. Yes, they did. Uh, Pacer Forge. That's crazy. That sounds like a comment where they're saying that the Air Force is sitting in a chair, calling it the chair force, instead of like the creep. (laughs) Yeah. That sounds like some special high-intensity training to me. Oh, my God. Uh, in the November 16th statement, service officials called the revised field training a, quote, two-day scenario-based deployment. Now, I actually have to tip my hat to this because that's pretty smart, because they're actually training them on what they're really going to do, not not playing, oh, you guys are warrior airmen, warrior airmen poets, and you're going to go out and, uh, you know, solve the problems of this war. So they're yeah. they're working on deployment stuff, uh, and what you know, like if you get in a theater, here's what you got to do. So, Pacer Forge is not just a renaming or rebranding of Beast, but the result of a year long review process. The first Pacer Forge graduates completed the curriculum in early October. Images posted to the Air Force's official website show that much of the compressed training schedule maintains a similar approach that 
to Beast, the way Beast did. Details of the curriculum are withheld to prevent recruits from knowing the nitty-gritty in advance. We want it to be something trainees consider so important and formative that they don't spoil it for those that follow. Hmm. That probably Mm -hmm. lasted about two hours. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The training still will give airmen a sense of what it's like to be on a real deployment. This free-flowing structure empowers trainees to make decisions and respond to challenges in innovative ways. Uh, I I don't know what that means. They're not saying a whole lot more about it. Um, But uh, since 1999, the Air Force's basic training included a combat-oriented capstone field training event, which was called BEAST. So that's gone away, and now they're doing a 36-hour kind of deployment-type exercise. Did you have something at the end of your basic training in the Army? So there was like a, I think it was like a three-day thing. And it was mostly force on force stuff and rifle range and and all that other stuff. So it it wasn't designed to like uh, like a ranger like sleep deprive you, right, or anything like that. But you had to you had to go into mop four. You had to shoot shooting in mop four, which sucks. Yeah. Um. You had to do a land nav. Uh. I think you had to do a casualty collection point. Um. Right. Which reminds me, I wish I could. You want to get me something for Christmas? They used to do it in the army. They had this deck of cards, right? When you go on an exercise, and they would just deal them out. And did you ever get those? Did you ever mess with casualty cards? Yep, we did. Oh no! Did you? Yeah. I wish I had a deck of those now. That would be awesome. Our quality control it- evaluators would use them to present to guys in the field. You know, here is a guy that has no leg. Apply your tourniquet, and, you know. Oh, okay. On that kind of card, they would they would give them to us, and we'd put them in our pocket. And so when the eval guy comes by and he goes, "You pull out your casualty card," you're like, "Woohoo! Double amputee! I'm I'm not I'm out of this exercise." <laughs> and you go back to the casualty collection point, and you just write it out because they're not unless some guy would be like, "Okay, you're good." Yeah, and they're like, "Ah, oh, shit! I gotta go back." Yes. That's where you practiced. You guys remember Buddy Care? I know Jake does. You, yeah, yeah. Self-aid Buddy Care, baby. Yeah, first aid Buddy Care. Yeah. How to pick a guy up, throw him over your shoulder, drag his ass. Yeah. Hmm. Well, here's the rah-rah statement at the end of this article. If we get it right, um, who is this guy? Uh, the guy giving the interview. If we get it right, it will be the highlight of their basic military training experience, despite only being 36 hours in length. Early feedback suggests we are absolutely on the right track. (laughs) Yeah, no shit. The woke captain from public affairs. (laughs) That's the guy. Hey, we changed it. We we knocked this down from a week to 36 hours. How do you feel about that? I think it's a great idea. (laughs) There you go. That's my positive feedback. Uh, so anyway, uh, beards, ponytails, and 36 hours out in the field. Right. China, here we come. <laughs> Be prepared. <laughs> we're we're going to blend in with your civilian population. We'll look just like them. <laughs> All right. Let's close this week out by talking about the Marines. All right. Marines have been avoiding this for a long time, but now. They're part of the group. 
<laughs> Ponytails, braids, twists, now covered by Marine Corps regs for women. Ugh. The core. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, was that uh, for the Marines? Yeah, was that, it just uh, for the terrible, man. Marty, you and I have had this conversation. I think it's just because we're old and it wasn't part of what we dealt with. Oh, oh yeah, man. we're we're way too old. Man. Now you yeah. think about that and you're like, really? Yeah. We're like any other organization. Nothing separates us. Nothing makes us. You're not. I don't feel like you're proud of who you are anymore. Well. Those who are wearing the ponytails are proud. <laughs> they say it's necessary because uh, the the bun pushes yeah. the helmet down and they can't fire straight. That's probably true. Honestly, that's like, what uh, that's what those, the a lance corporal said. Marines, the when they have those big like those rolls, like do the sock roll kind of thing in there. Yeah, and they're like a they can't even get their hats circle. around it. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. That hat's leaning way forward on their eyebrows. I mean, that was Air Force problem, too. I mean, it's, Guys, it is... all I know is Princess Leia never complained about her buns. Stop. She didn't have to wear a hat, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She didn't have to wear a and hat. Can you imagine if she tried to put a helmet on? Like, it'd just be balancing up there in some awkward teeter-totter kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> You have to leave that chin strap open. Oh, it definitely. <laughs> All right. But the Marine steps. Corps joined its sister services to permit its female members to wear something other than short hair or an yeah. austere bun while in uniform. According to uniform board updates that took effect uh, beginning of December. Female Marines may sport one unsecured half ponytail or up to two unsecured half braids according to the new regulations women with short hair may wear it in twists now eric and i okay, were cool. debating what a twist was uh, like well, is a twist a dreadlock yeah basic one well, kind of but it's not like permanent Wait, there. tell me about how out. you know about what a twist is <laughs> because my neighbor lady's daughter constantly is like oh we got to braid her hair <laughs> oh, we got to do this. Well, we got to. Oh, is our know. twists. So twists are different than like dreadlocks. Yeah, because you can brush them out, and you can. Oh, like, okay. There's all you literally all you do is just kind of grab a handful of hair and and twist it like you're <laughs> like you know I don't know. And then put it like a like a rubber band at the end or something. You don't even have to do that. Most of the time, it just you put some. Really? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not an expert by any means, but from what I've seen, <laughs> you stick a stick in it when you twist it. No, that's no. a tourniquet. <laughs> yeah, that's a. Tur what are you talking about? <laughs> I've seen it. I'm telling you, there's a stick. Oh, you want to call it chopstick where you slide it through, and oh I, yeah, yeah, I've seen those. Um, Asian ladies wear those things with it. Oh my god. Oh. Man, we're all we're getting kicked off of something. Let's just call them Orientals. Because my wife says <laughs> you have to say the, Asian the full boat, man. Here's here's my thing, Marty, about that is that that was the best flavor of ramen. That blue package of ramen. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that was point. Oriental flavor. 
Yeah. I'm like, what it is was. this? I don't Act know. much better it's than the delicious. pork or the chicken. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. <laughs> Oriental seasoning was the shit. That's true. Good call. I don't, and the thing is, I don't know what they changed the name to. I don't think they did. They just got rid of it. Did they get rid of it? Yeah, it's gone. Oh. Huh. So Defensive. Now I'm on a search for it. I'm going to go look for it and see if it. Yeah, go look for it. <laughs> so Defensive. do you know the twist? Could you wear a dreadlock if you wanted to wear one? Uh, I don't know. No. Pushing the envelope there. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it's not that long. Or cornrows or... I think cornrows would be like too faddish, right? Yeah, because it's talking about braids from the back of the head and then twists. Yeah. But I mean, you're getting into the minutia, Eric. I guess, I guess. Well, one of my old troops had, like, she petitioned for this kind of change. I mean, when I was early on in the 16th, Marty. Really? Yeah, she petitioned for basically mini locks. Or twists, huh? Because she's like, I half the time I'm smearing kind of random stuff in there and chemicals oh, yeah. to try to straighten everything out and other stuff to try to keep it from drying up. And hmm. like she I went through know. the I, whole I, process with me. I was like, geez, man. You know, know, it's it's like uh, when you hear about, you know, you see a guy walking in uniform. He's got a full beard. You know, maybe not a full beard, but he's he looks unshaven. But then when you talk to, especially black guys, when you talk about going into bumps, and they're like, "Oh my god, that sounds oh, I know. horribly painful." Yeah. yeah, and some of them are really, and they're like, "Oh yeah, it's it's the worst." And I get that, you know. I mean, I don't want to deny service to a guy who's a good airman, soldier, yeah. uh, you know, sailor, whatever. Uh, because he's got a skin thing that's like, oh, we can't shave, you know, right. Now, that's been abused like a mother, yeah. right? Especially when you watch wa- white guys walking around with that half beard. You're like, what's the matter with you? Like bumps. That's a bunch. And, it's, per- no and it's perfectly trimmed away from the throat and the cheek. You're like, mm, I'm pretty yeah. sure that beard is edged up. And, <laughs> yeah, right. and that all the areas occurrence. that have hair. Are the areas that probably wouldn't get ingrown hairs, <laughs> right? Exactly. Really but the then, how do you, you know, what you? That's that's okay. What, yeah, I mean, you're supposed to have a profile, right? You're supposed yeah, to have a profile. I don't know. Nowadays, we got a bunch of random stuff. I don't. Um, I don't even honestly know the regs on it. Yeah, I don't either. I don't think it's pertinent anymore because nope. uh, that's, that's my yeah. I don't think the I don't think the command wants the heartache. Yeah, I'm trying to enforce that. Well, yeah. um, but once again, it's going back to retention. It's going back to everything, yeah, you know, it all does. Yeah, it all does. It, and, and the, uh, the individual service member has the power to dictate a lot of that stuff now. All right, fellas, I think we got it for this week. Yeah. All right. Uh, so on behalf of my compatriots, Sergeant Peratt and Sergeant Wall, I'd like to thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, please leave a like and share the podcast with someone else. Let us know how we did in the comments. And always, and as always, make sure to download next week's episode for more service headline news. Gentlemen, have a good week, and I'll see you next week. All right, fellas, have a good one. Eric, always remember, in your heart, 
You're an American airman, wingman, leader, warrior. <laughs> That's me. Warrior. <laughs> I am going to go work my creed now. Yes, go memorize that. Come back. We'll start the show off next week with that. Remember with my- the creed. With the creed. <laughs>